honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Uh, today, it's just Izzy. Q did not. Q actually it is a bit under the weather as well. Luckily, um, he's feeling a lot better, but uh, his voice is very hoarse right now. So he didn't want his non-podcast voice on on the podcast. But uh, today we have on a really dope dude. I've been able to um, chat with him in person and we've been going back and forth. And unfortunately, uh, technology didn't agree to us with us the last time we were on. But I uh, appreciate this dude jumping on. Alexander, I, I appreciate you jumping on. Um, do you want to give, your, give yourself a little? I'm going to give you a few seconds here to introduce yourself, uh, who you are and what you do. I appreciate it, Izzy. I'm glad to actually be on this podcast as well. Um, I'm Alexander John. I design um, footwear, clothing, uh, spaces. I'm basically a creative director of Alexander John Design, which operates as a consulting and uh, quick turn manufacturer uh, and prototyping studio for a lot of big brands and um, uh, people who just want to actually bring something new and innovative to uh, the, the fashion and footwear game. Um, I've been blessed enough to be able to do this for uh, the last uh, 15 years. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share some things with you today. That's amazing. I appreciate you jumping on again. And like, I, I think the coolest thing so far, just, just following you in the brief amount of time that I have and just I, I think annoying you in some circumstances to get you on. Like the coolest thing is that you've you're you're open and you're you're honest with people and everything like that. But like before we get into like what you're working on right now and how everything has affected you, how how did you get started in what you're doing now? Um, it's so it, it's it's a quite unique situation. If we're asking about sneakers and how I got into that world, um, it's a different story from what you would think, you know, it's supposed to be. I think a lot of people that I've witnessed design footwear have said, hey, I've always wanted to do this. Or I've been, you know, I've been drawing sneakers since I was a kid. Well, when I was a kid, I was drawing nature and I was drawing a lot of other mm. things, but I knew I had a talent. Um, and I actually wanted to work for Marvel, believe it or not. Um, nice. that, was, that was like my goal. Like, can I, <laughs> I need to draw Wolverine, you know, as many times as possible so Disney can <laughs> give me a job or one of these guys can give me a job. But um, I, uh, I ended up getting into retail and uh, through retail, I became uh, somebody that realized that the world needs um, direction. And so I started a visual merchandising company um, where I would go in and, you know, deal with existing stores or stores that actually wanted to um, uh, open up a new location. And I would actually pitch them on concepts on shrinkage and how to, you know, make sure the store has feng shui. Like it was just all this stuff that I like studied on my own and kind of packaged together. So I'm nice. dealing, with a, dealing with a client in Cleveland, Ohio. It's like 2005. 
And at the time, I was actually in designing my own clothing brand, which was called Level Clothing at the time. And I'm doing that moonlighting, you know, and 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 actually doing uh, the the concept design by day. So I'm with a client, and I mentioned to him that hey, you got a Mitchell and Ness store. You're a little bit behind the ball because Mitchell and Ness has already, you know, got jerseys and things like that out here. And everybody's, you know, kind of like dying off of that fad. What you need to do to separate your store is actually provide a experience where it's about heritage. And so mm. we'll set your store up. We'll have the mannequins like footballs in their hands and have this locker room set up. Um, and we want to put actual custom items in. So I was actually asked a buddy of mine um, his name is Nick. We're still good friends to this day. Um, but so I was the clothing guy. Nick did clothing as well, but Nick also did custom shoes. So I actually asked Nick, I said, Nick, listen, I got this opportunity with a client. I need you to put shoes in their store. Once they get orders, they'll hit you up. You'll fulfill the orders. You'll make money. So Nick agreed to it. Hmm. And um, three days before the store opened, um, he was just like, he hit me up. He's like, I'm not feeling good about it. I don't think that, you know, it's a good idea right now. And the client freaked out and was like, my store looks amazing, but you sold me on these, you know, shoes that you were talking about. Do you think you can do it? And so I was like, uh, okay, (laughs) I'll I'll give it a shot, you know? And uh, he, he sent me home with the shoes and I prayed about it because I never... I never did sneakers. I mean, I, I the first time I did a pair of sneakers, just to be honest, I failed miserably. It was the worst because I, 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 I'm a. I think when you first start doing this, you're super ambitious, so yeah. you want to do something that's like crazy, but yet you don't have the concept of how it even works. So the first shoe I tried to do was like a plaid design, um, w- out of yellow, blue, and green, hmm. um, which was. If you know anything about customizing sneakers, uh, the, the people who listen to this podcast who customize sneakers, they will know that they're, they're right now cringing like, ooh, like <laughs> because all of those colors, yellow doesn't go on in one coat, green doesn't go on in one coat, royal blue. I mean, you're talking about at least like <laughs> nine coats each or primer, which I didn't know about at the time. Yeah. Um, and so trying to create a plan out of that was super ambitious. And I just just stopped. You know, so at the time we fast forward to me getting these shoes and him saying, can you do this? Um, I had to pray about it and, and find some focus. And what I did was my first designs were always hand engraved. So I would hmm. draw the actual character or what it was, the logo onto the shoe and then hand engrave it into the shoe using an exacto and a wood burner um, without cutting through the shoe. And then I would paint it because I didn't have the ability. I didn't know how to use a brush to make these clean lines. My hand wasn't steady enough. So that was actually how I got into it. Um, I, I did the shoes. I did a Cleveland brown shoe because I was in Cleveland at the time with their little old school brownie logo. And then yeah. I did a Cavalier shoe, Ron Harper era. So it's the orange and, and blue. Um, and we put them in the window and they sold out the day of opening. Like, and then that month we sold like, I want to say it was somewhere around uh, twenty-five to thirty pairs that month, at wow. like two hundred and fifty a pair. So I'm like, I'm rich, oh. you know. So, <laughs> but that's how I, that's how I got into it. It was it was kind of by mistake. I didn't even know I could do custom footwear at the time, but I knew that I had an eye for design and 
Um, that's how I got in, got into this game. You know, um, there's a lot in between, but that's, that's how I dope, got in. man. That's really dope, and it's it's really cool. Like you, you weren't afraid to say, like, even though you you quote unquote failed on your first customized job, like you weren't afraid to say, yeah, I, I'll give it a go. And I think that ha there's something to say with that because there's plenty of people in the creative field right now, whether you're customizing sneakers or you're taking pictures or anything like that. If you're, if you're not open to trying something new, I feel like a lot of people um, feel that, right. They feel that hesitation and they're, they're, they're going to maybe second guess you or anything like that. But right. uh, that, that's really, really dope. Did you start that? Are you originally from Cleveland? So I met my wife in Cleveland. Um, okay. My mom is from St. Lucia. Um, so okay. when her parents came over from the West Indies, they, we had some family go to New York and we had some family go to Cleveland and my family was the part that went to Cleveland. And, um, I was actually born in Louisiana though, because my dad was oh, in wow. the service. Yeah. So okay. bo born in Louisiana, raised everywhere else. That's the, that's my story. Like I really don't have a home, but yeah. when I, when I tell you that Cleveland is the place that I discovered myself. Um, so I claim that as you know where i'm from because i've spent a significant amount of time there developing and finding out who i was and helping others do the same for themselves um so cleveland is is, is really the place but i'm louisiana born i was born in a little town called fort polk louisiana uh, um yeah that's awesome what is it how did like did you move around a lot growing up then with your dad in the service or were you mainly in louisiana Believe it or not, we didn't have to move that much because of my dad being in the service because he was stationed in Louisiana and he kind of stayed okay. there. We moved from, um, you know, this one city uh, that was very small, Alexandria. And, you know, we 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 kind of stayed there after Fort Polk. But um, we actually I actually did move around a lot as a kid because my family after my dad left, I was like seven years old when my dad got a, my dad, and my mom divorced and. Um, we didn't have, you know, after, after, after you have, you know, your father, you know, leave the family and he's a sole provider and you don't have the things that you used to have or that income, then mm -hmm. things got tough. And, you know, we ended up moving around quite a bit because of that, but it wasn't necessarily because of the service. It's not even yeah. tied into, um, but that's, that was, you know, the, the move around experience happened, um, which was great for me though. I, yeah. I, lear I learned a lot. And I think you can look at, you know, any situation as a down um, when you, you feel like, you know, you're not getting your way. But when I look back and I say, wow, I've lived in Detroit, I've lived in, you know, um, New York, Buffalo, I've lived in uh, Cleveland. I've, we moved to back to Louisiana, a different part of Louisiana. Mm. I was able to absorb different cultures and experience different things and different sides. And it fits who I am now because I, I get asked to design for LA, you know, I get, yeah. uh, you know, I get, I got stores in Maryland that have product and it's like, how do you design for these places that you've never been? But when I look back at my life and I say, wow, I'm well-traveled, not because of the best circumstances, but um, yeah. it's, it's because this was, God knew that this would be my life and that now I can create from a pure place um, because I've been a, a, a lot of places. That's I, I love the way you put that. And there's like I'm originally from Chicago um, and the small, small, small part outside of downtown called Humble Park. And it's 
uh, known to Chicagoans as like little Puerto Rico. And now if you go there, it's, it's gentrified. It's nothing mm -hmm. like how it was when I grew up, but yeah. um, it, it's cool because my parents, uh, they didn't want me going to the same high schools they went to because they realized like, damn, you would have a pretty crappy like high school experience if you went to the same high schools. Right. So they said, I'm going to, they grinded um, and they were able to, unfortunately find a house in the suburbs for me and my brother to go to. And I experienced almost, um, it was kind of weird. I, I would go like we lived in, in the suburbs, but every weekend we found ourselves going into the city, um, because family was there and that's the right. only people we were hanging out with. So I was experiencing two types of, um, really realities because the, the suburban kids that I was hanging out with, um, didn't recognize the realities that my family was going through in the, in literally the inner city, which was only an hour away. And it, it was kind of like eye opening. And I didn't really recognize that until I went to college and ended up coming up to Milwaukee. And it, it, it honestly, like I came to Milwaukee, I, I wanted to come to a city and started like exploring around here. And I was like, Oh, it's not too much, not too far away from Chicago. It's, it, it almost is like a mini Chicago Right. And to explore a city that is known as the most segregated city in America, um, it, it was eye opening for me because I realized I could drive 15 minutes outside of like literally 15 minutes from downtown to the suburbs and people don't recognize the injustices going on or anything right. like that. So it, there's something to say with different types of perspectives. Yeah. But you mentioned on something um, when you said that you took on that that first real customizing job mm -hmm. you mentioned that you prayed and faith has has driven you uh for a long time now from my research do you want to go into that and how you really became um really really faithful um i know there's a lot of people right now going through a ton of stuff and what's like you've gone through your hardships what's continued or what's what's really pushed you to continue to be faithful um i i gotta answer just very very basically on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it works, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think that you grow up as a kid and sometimes you're growing up off your parents' religion. You know, you go to church or the church that you go to is your parents' church. And for me, because of the hardships and the different areas that we lived in, it's like prayer was the only thing to get me out of certain situations, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And to, to see that, you know, hand of God work in your favor when you're when you're living in these different areas and you you have friends that have died. You've been close to people literally in the same room and almost got killed, you know, and to have, you know, God's presence there and saying, hey, you know what? I need to be saved from the situation or I need a way out and to actually watch those doors open for me ever since a kid. It's been like that. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and I, I was taught to um, pray early, you know, um, which I teach my kids as well, because we are connected to a higher being. We we haven't designed ourselves. And if our sole purpose, you know, on the on this planet is to be the best that we've been designed to be, then you have to really tap into the creator to get that potential, you know, so um, everything that I am and everything that I'm able to do hasn't been because of hey, he's just so great, or I'm such a, you know, crazy, innovative designer. I get no's a lot, you know, I get, I mm -hmm. get doors slammed a lot. And it's been through 
prayer and constant, you know, reinventing. And I know people say don't reinvent the wheel, but I think a lot of times um, that's what that's what prayer is. It's like this 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 part of whatever it is that you're trying to do isn't working. And so you have to literally go to this place where you're about to take a whole different route than what you even thought you would need to take. Um, if you asked me when I was a kid, what would I be? I was trying to be an artist first. And then when I got a little bit older, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, mm. but, but I never was able to go to school to do any of these things. You know, everything that I've learned, marketing, um, you know, uh, fashion design, uh, all of these things are because I've, uh, I've studied on my own and through prayer, you know, so I, I don't have any, um, degrees to show anyone as to why I can design the way that I do. It's really like seeking knowledge from, you know, um, who God is and, and letting that shine through the design. And through that, I get, I have purpose through everything that I do. So it's, it started at a young age and because it worked for me then, and I saw God's faithfulness to me, it's like, how can I get to a certain level or think that there's a certain success that I've reached where I can exclude him now? Like, it's like, I had enough, you know, or, you know, I'm good, I'm good now, you know? Yeah. Um, So I, I think, new levels, new devils, you know what I mean? Yep. So you, you, exactly. you can't let go of his hand as you reach new heights because it gets crazier, man. And the fall is crazier. So I, I, it's a lifestyle for me. I love that. I, I love it. Honestly, like the, when I first met you, um, it was last July at complex con Chicago and there was something like I was going up to a ton of people out there. And I, like, as I mentioned to you before, I have this content agency and I wasn't there to sell my agency. I was just there really to like soak in like everything that was going on around me. Like, and the thing that stood out to me about you compared to every other designer that I met up with or anything like that is like, you actually like not sat down, but you spent five minutes of your probably stressful as crap day to at least have a conversation with me. And whether you remember it or not, it was like, it was something that hit home. And that's when, like, when, as soon as I wanted to um, pivot this podcast into more of a uh, behind the, the, behind the curtain of culture podcast, like you came up immediately. And I was like, damn, I, I need to get him on. Like, I know he's different in some type of way. And you did it with multiple other people. It wasn't just me. And I didn't see that from a lot of designers and uh, I, that I had seen on the floor, uh, really, and to this day. But I, I love the way that you hold yourself. And like, you're very, very, it, it seems like you're very, very respectful of everyone else. But with everything that's going on right now, how has the COVID situation really impacted? Has the, the situation impacted your business or has it not? Um, I, I will say it has impacted my business. Um, it's given me a sense of, I, I feel like because I've been, because I, because I grew up the way that I did, I was raised for this time, yeah. you know? So not knowing if the grocery store had food is, you know, equal to us knowing if we were going to have food, you know, um, not, not having, you know, your, your bills paid on time or not being able to work or have a job is equal to us experiencing our lights being turned off. Um, and as a kid, you know, like I said, tapping into, um, 
the Christianity that I was taught, my faith, I've watched those things be alleviated as as a kid, you know, through faith. It's like we were able to pay our bills. Through faith, we were able to eat. And so now I feel like a superhero that can scream into the top of my lungs, not only with <laughs> what I'm saying, but with my actions and show that, hey, I was given gifts to help deal with the time now, like like mm-hmm. like what we're experiencing. Creativity and faith in using the things that God gave you is the only thing you have now. You're you're at home. You have yep. nothing else. So what did God give you? This is a time to focus and and really figure out who you were designed to be because it wasn't, it's not a cubicle that made you, you know, it's not a, a corporation that made you. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. God. And now is the time to really tap into those things that you really want to do. I feel like everyone has the opportunity to, you know, do that thing that they've been moonlighting doing now. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you get to practice. This is a, and so you can, for me, my business is thriving because I'm willing to share this information with other companies that I see that are suffering. You know, yeah. I'm willing to say, hey, I have an idea that can help with this time. And, you know, there's some biblical stories that I've I've read that prove that this is what's necessary. And one of them is the story of Joseph, who was a dreamer, you know, and he's mm-hmm. he's this kid, his brothers hated him, he dreamed too much, you know, so they ended up selling him off into slavery, but he ended up earning the favor of the pharaohs because he was a hard worker and he was somebody that always gave glory to God. Long story short, famine hits the land and they they know that this famine is coming because the pharaoh has a dream and Joseph interprets the dream and says, hey, there's going to be seven years of famine, you know, and, and you, you're going to experience this. So by yeah. him knowing, you know, he was able to actually save up you know, and build a storehouse for when this famine was coming. And then when the famine came, he was able to help everybody else, you know, so Mm. um, other people from different lands came and they were able to eat because of this. So I'm looking at this situation and saying, wow, we're modern day Joseph's, you know, if you know, you know, that you're creative and you knew that, you know, we would experience tough times through faith and through whatever, you know, you're, you're reading in the Bible about these times that we live in, then it's your job to actually help other people escape this thing through the gifts and and they'll be able to accept that you know there there is a god and there is something that's over you know and, and it'll relieve some of the anxiety um because you can easily feel hopeless you know um in 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 a time like this it's like i gotta stay home you know and and not yeah. go anywhere and my job has just laid me off and uh, and and i don't have any income but my bills you know, they, they're saying that certain companies are giving people three months, but not all companies are doing that. You yeah. know, I know somebody right now that's being evicted from their uh, from their home, you know. And wow. so it, it, it just it, not everybody has experienced this thing in the same in the same way. So for me, um, my business is, is, is booming because people are looking companies and people are looking for direction. Right. Um, and, and as, a as, as somebody who's been able to practice, um, you know, creativity and build other things for other people in retail, um, and products, I feel like I'm more prepared for something like this than, than a lot of people I've seen experience it. So, um, I wouldn't say it's just booming because, Hey, so many people are hitting me up. It's really like what you make of what you've been given now is going to yep. be you know, um, it's going to make or break your business, you know? So 
for me, business is good, man. I'm, I'm collaborating with companies that I never thought I would work with. Um, there's uh, a ton of great conversations happening and it's really based off of, um, me just pushing forward in faith and saying, you know, these are problems that I see. Let me help you solve them. I love that. I love that. What, like, what advice would you give to creatives? Cause I know you mentioned something earlier about getting the door slammed or getting told no, um, for creatives who have this idea, who then approach the one person, let's say a la Nike and say, mm -hmm. all right, this th Nike, I really want to collaborate on this. When Nike tells them, no, what advice would you give to someone that says that a situation like that can't deal with no, or can't deal with getting that door slammed on them? What, what, what's that little thing inside you that keeps you going? So I'm going to be transparent. I, my, I think it's my great great grandfather on my uh, dad's side. Uh, mm -hmm. No, my great grandfather actually. Um, on my dad's side, we come. I, there's a line of innovators and innovative thinkers. My granddad was an architect, um, but he was also someone that um, his name is Charles Ballard, and he started an institute for responsible fatherhood. And he was this great mind. You know, he had been funded by, you know, several presidents and aided the president's house, got awards, been on Oprah. He did a lot, wow. you know, um, but his dad was an inventor and he invented uh, something that was supposed to be for the railroads, I believe, at the time. Um, but he gave, he ended up giving it to uh, uh, his boss, which was a white man, um, because he he weren't allowed as a black person to have a business back then or an idea, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we're still living in Alabama segregation times. Yeah. Um, that guy uh, ended up taking his idea and doing it and it drove my great grandfather crazy. Um, wow. And he, my, my granddad said that his last memory of his father was him going into a crazy home because he had just lost it. Um, and so wow. what I got from that hearing that from my grandfather and seeing the man that he was and how many ideas that he had that he was making come um, true with, with faith and perseverance and working hard. What I got from that was that don't just have one idea. And then the mm. second thing that I got from that was you should be able to do what you are asking someone else permission to do. Mm -hmm. if, if you put yourself, if I go to Nike now, so me back in the day was, hey, Nike, you should do this. You should do this with me. But Nike is not going to value me because I'm nowhere near Nike's status. Mm -hmm. It's like, why should we do this with you? We could do this on our own. This is how companies, you know, really think sometimes, depending on yeah. who they who they have in that department. Right. Because they have to make it make sense. Otherwise, they're just blowing you up and they get what from it? Nothing. You know, so. It's so like, mm -hmm. we'll just take your idea and we'll run with it. So I've actually had um, uh, designs, you know, taken by multiple brands, you know, brands that I've, I've still work with to this day. But I understood that it was my my inability to be a, to market and handle my idea in a way that made it real to them, that made them feel like they can do that. And it's not, mm -hmm. not a big deal. So fast forward to now, here's how I approach situations, even when there's a no. Um, and I'll tell you one situation that 
was a no that I turned into a situation that ended up changing what I believe, you know, helped fuel what the sneaker industry is experiencing now, which is the custom sneakers are taken very seriously now um, yeah. by, by brands. But what I do now is I approach a company with the idea in mind, but everything that I'm asking them to do, I can do or probably already have done. So as a designer, it's your job to be a doer. Yep. You can no longer just leave stuff on your screen and think that it's good enough there. You have to have the ability now moving forward to create your product. And even if it's there, you're dealing with their silhouettes or whatever idea it is, it's every creative's job to take their gifts to a super high level. This is why I, so there's a lot of modern artists that I appreciate mm -hmm. for their contributions to you know, the culture of art and, and what we're able to sell. But my favorite artists come from the Renaissance era because they were polymaths. You know, mm -hmm. Leonardo would design weapons, then he would go do, you know, a, a statue, and then he's designing, you know, airplanes back then, and he's doing all types of stuff. He wasn't one, you know, one-sided. And he mm -hmm. had the ability to produce his ideas himself because he was able to design. So he didn't have to, he didn't have to ask anybody permission, you know, and, and even if he did go and try to sell a concept, he could actually turn around and make that bow and arrow or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So I, I'm that way. And I think that this is the future of creatives. Like you can't say create without actually creating, you know, in multiple ways to me, you know? Um, yep. So uh, my advice to anyone that's getting doors slammed in their face right now is be able to do that idea that they slammed the door on. Because I guarantee you, I'm living proof that the ideas that I've had doors slammed on have turned into, you know, lucrative situations and industry changing situations. And one of them um, was the Brooklyn Zoo, Jordan One. Um, mm -hmm. I designed that shoe originally. Um, for uh, initially, I didn't tell Emery that this was the concept. <laughs> I just asked him what he thought about like multiple skins on a shoe. Yeah, and um, he was like, "Nah, that's too much. It's too busy." So instead of me killing the idea and being butthurt and being like, "Oh man, you know, I I really wanted to do this and now I can't." I took it and I transformed it from being a New Balance concept because I was going to turn the Z sideways on a New Balance. I mean, turn Ooh. it in sideways into a Z Jeez, and then, yeah. you know, do it there. Because he was, when Emery, you know, first got home, he was totally New Balance because he's from Maryland. Yeah. So I ended up um, taking the concept and saying, you know what, let's not do it here. I'll do what he's asking me to do with the New Balance, but then I'll do a Jordan 1 because actually this is the shoe that changed the game. So um, utilizing that concept, uh, it was the first shoe that Jay-Z had worn that was custom. And it, we sold that shoe for like $2,500 a pair in LeBron's yep. store in Miami. Like you go from <laughs> zero to hero, but yeah. this was an idea conceptually when it was on paper or when it was just being talked about, that was like a bad idea. It seemed like a bad idea, but if I didn't get that idea out of my head and make it real, 
then it wouldn't be good enough for other people to respect and say, wow, you killed this. Jay-Z, Jay-Z puts, he put his first post of the shoe, and I don't know if you remember Life and Times, which was his website, yeah, where, yeah. where Jay-Z blogged himself. Mm-hmm. But the very first sighting of the Brooklyn Zoo, Jay-Z took it and put it next to a George Kondo statue, this golden head price, priceless statue. And he's, it, the tagline was, Kondo's in my condo. <laughs> so... You 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 go you go to Picasso baby the actual song and he yeah. uses that same line and I'm like this is crazy because that line came before you know he had already been saying condos in his condo but the first time he put that out publicly was when he um, put a picture of the Brooklyn Zoo next to the uh, next to that uh, statue and and it's dope wow. because he said that he was like this isn't a shoe this is art. Yeah. Those were his words. Emery, Emery called me and told me that was his words. He was like, Jay said, this is art. And wow. it, was, it was dope because at that moment, this was the first Jordan that had Jordan one that had ever been reconstructed. You know, it's like 2011, 2012, this is happening. And um, everybody paid attention. You know, this shoe has yeah. been everywhere on VH1. It's been, and it's one pair sold for 20,000 on eBay like shortly after wow. our launch, you know, so um, the industry had to take us serious after that. Yeah. We were like, okay, customs aren't a game. And yeah, um, you know, re- rebranded, um, reconstructed Jordans are something that, you know, is going to end up kicking our behinds if we don't get with the times. So now yeah. you you fast forward, you have, you know, Shoe Surgeon, JPF, all these guys who we we all existed at the same time, but look at how well we're able to eat now because of turning a no into a yes. And I'm not taking credit for what those guys do because they they have their own rights and they have their own story. But I'm just letting you know, like that moment where Jay-Z's wearing a reconstructed Jordan made every brand take us seriously as yeah. customizers, you know? It I was one that. of those moments, yeah. I love that. It's defining, dude. Like I, it, it's crazy just seeing, um, just the overall shift in in the culture and just i mean i i've seen people that never look like they would be wearing i mean even the simplest of jordans to now wearing like the the entire sneaker culture is just ridiculous right now and right. even in the in the times that we're in i mean they're like nike's restocking stuff yeezy's still selling stuff and and there's like I, I believe I was just on the shoe surgeon and he's still dropping stuff and there's people still buying. And yep. I mean, that's that, that's that people don't know what's coming next. Right. Yep. And we're, yep. we're in those uncertain times, but there's still people supporting and there, there's something to say with community and just building that community. And it, it seems like you've done an amazing job and not only just building it, but supporting the overall community, whether it's the event that you through along with Dion, uh, Dion, uh, previous podcast guest, uh, in Cleveland, or, I mean, you're, you're working on stuff in Atlanta every day. What do you want to chat on your, like what you've been in, what, why that is so important to you? The, the community factor. Um, the community factor is important to me because it, it, it allows me to thrive, you know, whatever you're in, it's like, if you're, if you're a fish and you're in an aquarium, then the water is your community. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if you're not keeping the water clean, then how are you going to see? How are you going to survive and breathe? You know, so for me, it's that same way. 
um, in Cleveland, you know, I was this same person that was constantly building up. If there was a new store going up in Cleveland, you could guarantee I was probably in there doing some type of work or <laughs> knew some of the owners, you know, where was was talking to them about different ideas. That's just who I was because I felt like if you're making your community better, then the community can make you better. It, it creates yep. an infrastructure. And even though it's invisible at the time and you can't really see how all the lines connect, you, you're actually creating this web. I think, you know, spiders, you know, they're, they're dropping lines all the time. And until mm -hmm. they've completed that pattern, you know, it just looks like, you know, scattered lines. But, you know, once that, com that pattern is complete, it's a full web and it's able to capture all types of things. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me that. in Atlanta, okay. when I moved here five years ago, I got to see this melting pot, but not just this melting pot. It was, it was our culture thriving here you know the the black community here is sharing information and yeah you have your crime and you have your stuff everywhere but this has been the most encouraging place that i've been where i can see people that look like me in a freaking ferrari or a lamborghini yep. and it's normal you know what i mean like it's normalized like like you know living in cleveland ohio is a different experience because most of the people that are there you know, are, are, that are driving nice cars or nice things. They live further out and they're not of our nationality. You know, there's a lot of people that's doing great things in Cleveland and shout out to those people um, who are making it, but they're lawyers, photographers, you know, uh, videographers and hairstylists, you know, so you kind of put them in this place where it's like, I expect you to have these things. Yeah. Here is like, you know, it's the norm, you know, for like, the BMW here is the, the poor man's car. It's like entry level. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, whereas where, where I was coming from, it was like, oh, wow, you seen so-and-so has a new car. Like, you know whose car that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, smaller city uh, type type stuff. So here um, I was able to experience that and, and take that concept back to Cleveland and talk to them about the togetherness that communities can build for each other creates this this infrastructure where it, it it's made the BMW here the normal thing. You can yeah. do that anywhere, but the communities have to stick together. So it's really it's really important, man, to be able to share information. And I think a lot of people um, may make uh, folks pay for information. I don't I'm I don't, I'm not one of those. I I love sharing information because if I can. If I can tell you my techniques on how I make my sneaker and you go and do it and you're doing it better than me, well, maybe you're able to change the industry and make another space for me to work in. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I love that. That's that's just the concept of what's been working for me. And so I continue to 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 push those push for the community to be to be great, especially in a time like now. Yeah, exactly. I there's two things off that like one is I. I mentioned to you, like I, I visited, I have a lot of family down in Georgia um, in the Potter Springs area, but I had never like, I hadn't gone there since I was probably like 16. Um, mm -hmm. And every time I went to Georgia, it was Potter Springs. It was never Atlanta. Yeah. And there was something, um, I think I, 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 I knew I wanted to take uh, Aaron, my girlfriend to somewhere for Valentine's day. I just didn't know where. And uh, the usual check was a little bit late. So I was like, oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be cheap. And yeah. Yeah. I found, uh, it, it was a, I believe it was a, I think it was like $75 round trip, something ridiculous to, yeah. uh, to Atlanta. And I, I booked it. I just told my girlfriend's Caucasian I've been, we've been dating for going on four years now. And, 
I was like, Hey, I I've heard Atlanta is amazing. I've never actually, like I've been to Atlanta. I've never actually been there as an adult. Like, let's go and check it out. And one of the first things we both looked at each other and said was like up in Milwaukee, like there's no interracial couples to be honest. And there, there isn't people, there isn't a lot of people of color that are having success in Milwaukee or at least public success where they're driving the Beamers or anything like that. But when we, right. as soon as we landed and we started driving around the city, I, w- I was like in awe. I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> Especially coming from a place where this it's like a 180. And right, uh, right. I, I love this city. And it, like one of the things that uh, she said when we, fir- when I first booked it, she's like, why'd you book it to Atlanta? And I was like, I don't know. It was the cheapest thing. And now we have it on our list to go back for sure. I have my, my buddies want to go down there uh, for a trip, just us four. And we're all, we're all creatives. And that was the one thing review that I did have of that city is I, I don't think it's one of those cities that I went, I spent, I think it was four days and I don't think I saw everything. And there's not like when I go to New York, there's a couple places I hit and that's that, but like, I just felt like there's a lot more to see and there's a lot more to do and everything like that. So that's the first thing I really want. Atlanta's a dope time. So if you're listening, like I would definitely go check it out. Also the food scene down there is ridiculous. It's um, insane. <laughs> it's amazing. It's insane. <laughs> um, but I, I think the coolest thing about just community, like the only reason why I've, I, I mentioned to you, I have a degree in sports uh, management and I uh, worked for the Milwaukee Bucks right out of college, which was really, really cool. Um, but like I, there was something nagging at me ever since I was little. I told myself that I was going to be a sports agent. I never I knew I was at the athlete. So I was like, oh, I'm going to represent the athlete. Right. And um, growing up, I, I told myself that went through college, everything like that. And uh, at six months after getting that job with the Bucks, there was so, like I was like, damn this is not what I want to be doing. And I was selling tickets and it was either go to law school so I can go and get that degree so I can become a sports agent or get another job and figure something out. And I, I was never a good student. So law school wasn't in the books. So I decided to jump into another job uh, selling sponsorship for a minor league soccer team. And then they owned the conglomerate owned the Milwaukee marathon and a few other things. So sole sponsorship did really well, but there was something nagging at me at the end of the day, like, damn, this sucks. Like, I don't know what it is, but like I worked so hard to get to this moment and this point and I'm making good money, everything like that, but this isn't what I want to be doing. And it took a conversation that I had with a old mentor and my circle's always been kind of tight knit. And I, I, I surround myself with only the people that either I, I want to strive to be or people that inspire me or people that I want to inspire. And this, this person was in the sports industry, a huge mentor of mine. And he's, he told me, he was like, you're, you're not made for this dude. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're made for something bigger than just this role. And I don't know what it is, but you should explore that. Yeah, And I took that conversation to heart. Um, and then a week later, for whatever reason, Izzy decided to go in and quit his job without a job lined up. So I was unemployed <laughs> for three months. Um, couldn't find like I, I was uh, I was in a pretty dark place. I was um, paying my student loans with credit cards. My girlfriend was spotting me on rent. She was obviously wow. getting frustrated. And like I was like, oh, damn, I don't know what to do next. And I got with my old college roommate. Uh, we ran track together in college. 
And he was like, yo, Izzy, like I, he had been doing the entrepreneur thing, like working for himself. And I was like, how is it? I don't know what I'd be doing. Uh, I don't know what I'd be pitching. Like I was in this weird spot and I feel like a lot of people are in that spot and it's either you, you rise from that spot or you just settle and you, you get back into whatever you thought wasn't the right thing, but you know, it's a, it's an honest paycheck type of thing. And I, I talked to my roommate who now is my business partner uh, and he was like, Hey, just try it, man. Just try it. So I had picked up a, an odd job after three months, just fixing bikes at the local bike share so I could pay rent at the very least by myself. And yeah. I got with uh, him and then two other like creatives in the area. And after an hour, my hour lunch break, I decided to quit my job and start a company with them. And there's something something to be said with just taking that leap. Like I've never been more energized than I I was when I just took that leap and I knew what I was gonna do. Right. After I left that sports job and I didn't know what I was doing, I was I I just fell and I fell straight down into a pile of mud and I couldn't get out of it. And yeah. I knew what I was gonna do and I had one hundred and fifty percent energy on on that one thing. Like it it turned out to like I mean we we landed. Our first big uh, collaborations or partnerships were with uh, like professional hockey teams and like Summerfest, wow. the, the world's largest mu- music festival. And I wow. met with that that mentor after uh, we we signed on uh, Summerfest, and he's like, "This is what you were destined to do. Like you <laughs> you were destined to just work for yourself and have energy." on something that you're truly passionate about. And I'm right. 150% passionate about sports to this day still. Yeah. But there's something like to be said about like, I, I think I needed to challenge myself. Like I wasn't right. challenging myself anymore. And I was just, I was putting myself in this box. So I think me getting into and starting this, 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 this podcast and getting really into sneakers and really just design as a whole, I've learned that I just need to constantly be striving for more and learning, like learning more um, yep. in order to teach myself, like in order to have that 150% uh, kind of attitude. So how, like, what are you learning in this, in this quarantine or in this situation that you are, are you learning anything? Are you reading a ton of books, anything like that while, while we're, we're locked up in indoors? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, I am actually taking the, um, yellow brick uh streetwear essentials course oh dope. um yeah so i i started a line uh what was it 2000 and i want to say it was like 2000 and was it about 10 mm, no it was a little bit it was a little bit beyond that i want to say 2014 um okay. i started a line called killer whales and I was able to put out this line doing some dope stuff and I wasn't able to continue because there were things I just didn't know. So I didn't know the full manufacturing process. Um, I didn't know the cut and sew business. Um, and it was just tough for me, um, to be able to, uh, do that. So, you know, um, I ended up, I ended up, just looking at the the whole thing saying, okay, I know I w- what I want to do, but I, I, I don't have the, the, the knowledge to be able to do this streamline, you know, from A to Z. Yeah. Um, Cause I could, I was always able to design well, but you know, it's that in finishing product that I, I know what I want. So I'm actually doing that, um, which I'll sh- I should be done pretty soon with that. Um, I'm nice. also learning more about photography. 
um, and videography. Um, there's a lot of free courses. You know, I've been seeing hype beast posts like, Hey, you know, take this course free. And, um, there's a lot of companies offering, you know, photography classes. So just like it wouldn't hurt. Um, I love shooting. I'm not a photographer myself, but (laughs) I, I, I'm not going to limit, you know, just because I'm not a certain thing doesn't mean that I don't need to understand it because I, I, I know how I want product shot. And from being in the business of visual merchandising and, um, you know, retail and, and setting up stores and building stores, I actually, you know, know the business of uh, product, you know, uh, display very well. But, yeah. you know, when it comes to like uh, delivering a new look, I, I, that's what I'm interested in, you know, because I've seen Ralph Lauren do his thing for, for a time. I've seen luxury houses and how they introduce certain lines and, how it feels. And so I'm into those types of things and creating new feelings. And, um, and so studying something like photography is another thing that I'm learning in this time. Um, and then I'm, I'm also, uh, in my studio, I have a laser engraver. Um, I, I have a, uh, dye sublimation printer. Um, I have a large format vinyl cutter, um, now, which is a, a newer machine. I used to have like some smaller ones, but I got a bigger one. So there's tricks to all these different machines that, you know, I've used them in different projects, but yeah. I still haven't pushed them to their limits yet. So yeah. I, I feel like in this time I'm like doing a whole bunch of stuff and it's exciting for me because I'm just like, wow, I'm able to stretch my mind on how these things better work together. Um, and I'm also able to add some new techniques by studying certain things. Um, and it's, it's, I'm learning a lot right now, uh, believe it or not. And I'm actually starting a creative agency, um, coming out of this. Um, so that's, that's the goal, man. That's the goal. That's awesome. Is that, is that what's next for you? Like, what do you have, what do you have on the calendar? So I do quick turn manufacturing, as you know, you saw the shoes at, um, at complex con me and my team we we uh did those um and uh quick turn manufacturing is in the u.s is needed you know yeah. not just because we're talking about opportunities for jobs but to help the businesses sustain as well you mm-hmm. know you have brands like you know pumas and I, puma and i think a lot of a lot of brands besides new balance are leaning heavily on country uh countries like china you know um to to produce their stuff you know, yeah. and, and ship it out. So what happens when a pandemic happens, like what we're experiencing now, you don't get product. Yep. Do you know that this, for me knowing, for me knowing what, it's, what it is to be a buyer and how, how the buying schedule is. So everybody that bought for like back to school summer holiday, they're in yeah. jeopardy right now, you know, because they may not be getting some of that product, probably, wow. you know, none of it. It's, it's going to be late. You know, yeah. and so what does that mean for this time that we live in? Well, there's a lot of companies who have things and products right now that aren't selling at this very moment because there's no doors open. And if the majority of your uh, product is in someone else's store that's not open, then either that company, depending on what deal they have with you, they're sending it back or they're saying, cancel my order. So now these brands are stuck with stuff. So quick turn manufacturing you know, and, and doing embellishment here in the U.S. is something that I'm working on, um, which, you know, me and my team, we were able to do the whole production of the mixtape um, 
the mixtape releases that went out to the rest of the store. So we handled that in our nice. own studio. Um, I love, you know, being able to design and have other companies do it, but I'm just, I'm just telling you like from a problem solving perspective, this is what I'm working on because it saw, it helps the companies exist and it helps them keep jobs in America as well. You yeah. Know, so if, if somebody's helping them solve these issues and Hey, you took a shoe that, you know, they were getting, they were getting ready to lose, you know, um, 70% on, and you were help you help them gain 150% on that by customizing it and them being able to put it back out there, then you've actually helped their company and kept their shares intact, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking about it from that perspective. And, um, so quick term manufacturing is one side. Um, the consulting creative agency is another side that will help other artists like myself, like the new school artists to me are some of the dopest people that I've seen on the planet. Um, mm -hmm. these kids, you know, even my kids, as they create, it's totally different. They're super fast. Right. So they're, yeah. they're, they're very smart. They're, you know, like old folks, you say whippersnappers, but <laughs> the thing that they lack is the wisdom. So, yeah. and I, I, I want to bridge that gap by being able to say, Hey, you're great at this. I know a company that's looking for this type of thing and let me plug you here. You know, because th that's what I experienced in Atlanta. I got here. People found out about who I was. Frank Cooker is one of them, um, you know, uh, who actually was like, hey, you're dope. Let me, you know, just tell you these things and let me connect you this way, that way. You know, there was a lot of people who saw what I was able to do and, and you know, welcomed me. You know, so I want to be able to do that for other artists as well and help them. Um, and there's no middleman situation. You know, I, I think mm. a lot of what how my generation was handled was that there were middlemen and I always need to be able to get a cut off of somebody or something like that. It was it was for profit that you connected. Um, and I'm not saying that I won't turn a profit by having these relationships, but I'm saying that's not the goal. The goal is to really help these artists get their dreams out. And guess what? If you can't get it out with the company, we can go walk right over to the quick turn manufacturing space and we can design your shoe yourself. You know, a lot of people think they have to collab with Nike. They have to collab with these brands to collab with mm -hmm. these brands. And it's just not really true. Um, I've watched uh, guys like Joshua Videz, you know, do things. And then now it turns into a collab. You know, yeah. I've, I've done things and then Puma hits me up and says, let's make it a collab. So, it's, it's not necessarily the order that they think it has to go in. You know, if you have a dope idea for Nike, you know, a Nike design, then let's go make your design. And then yeah. let's talk to Nike after you sold out of those in two minutes, you know? So yeah. that's the, that's the thing that I want to, um, you know, uh, do, you know, and, and it's just basically problem solving for creatives. That's amazing. I love that. And it, it, it all ties back to the community, right? Like you, right. you, you keep giving back and I, I really, really do dig that. And I appreciate you jumping on today, but I, I do have, I have two more questions before I let you go. I don't want to take up okay. too much of your time, but what, what makes you strange on purpose? Um, <laughs> I think that name is dope to me. And um, to be <laughs> honest, like when you, when you said you were going to invite me on a, a podcast, I was like, okay, dope. I was down to do it. But when I saw the name, I was like, this is perfect. Um, <laughs> because I, 
I don't do everything that everybody else does on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's what people find strange is when you don't move the same way that they do. And they're like, you know, why aren't you in the club with me? And, you know, why aren't you here? I mean, there's a lot of times that I've been invited to certain things and I'm just like, I'm not going to have to go there to get these opportunities. And they're like, no, you, you got to go here to bump elbows. You got to do. And I've never fallen into that got to do yeah. thing. So I think that's what makes me strange on purpose is that my faith makes me move different and, and not accept the same thing. Like for, I think faith makes, makes me look at things differently. Like I don't think my life has been normal. So I'm not looking for normal opportunities and mm. I'm, I'm not looking for it to any, anything to happen in a normal way, you know? And when I stopped looking for those connections in that way, then it became very clear to me that I wasn't made to walk the same path that other people, you know, were walking. Like, you know, I got buddies in the game. I got Mosh, I got JBF, I got shoe surgeon. Shoe surgeon is at a whole different level than than anybody in this game right now, and he's murdering the game. And I love what yeah. he's doing. His his consistency is crazy. But then you got JBF that's in you know Cleveland now in his studio, and he's doing this whole like HGTV shoots with plants in the background. I love his <laughs> aesthetic right now. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just like this cool, relaxed dude. JBF is my dude. Man. Um, we're good. We're good friends for a long time. Um, and then you got Mosh, who's like killing it in this arena. Like I, I still haven't talked to Mosh yet about how ridiculous the stuff that he's been doing with players is. But yeah. I think it's insane. It blows my mind that this dude is doing cleats for just about every sport, yeah, year round, and is on time, and then has time to do stuff for wrestlers and is shooting YouTube. It's <laughs> tiring to even think about, and all of his <laughs> stuff is like one of one. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's 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 absolutely crazy. But what makes me strange on purpose is that I can see all of that and still know that I'm here to do this in a different way. Ooh, I dig that, dude. You're you're extremely dope, and I'm glad you jumped on uh, today with me. And um, I I really hope that anybody that's listening to this podcast goes and follows and and checks out your work because it's amazing. Where where can people uh, check out or find out more about you? Um, Instagram right now is my main feed. I do have a Facebook, but Instagram is under Alexander John design. Um, I'm also cool. on Twitter at I am Alexander John. Um, and, uh, you're going to find most of my stuff on Instagram. This is basically, um, where, you know, I post everything. It's my website right now. So awesome. Well, I appreciate you having on, or I appreciate having you on today. Um, I'm going to keep you for a second after, but thank okay. you for coming on the Strange on Purpose podcast. Thanks for having me, man.